Please turn with me this morning to Isaiah chapter 9 as we continue our study in the book of Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, we will be looking at the first seven verses of this chapter today. Before we do so, let's go to the Lord in prayer and ask for his help with the text. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as we come to you, we we need your help with your word. Your word is true. It is without error. It is completely unfailing. And we are none of those things. And so as we come to it, we need your help to guide us through it, to keep us on the straight and narrow as we read from it, that we would not veer from it, that we would not veer from the wisdom that it gives us, and that we would see our own sin so that we might be closer to you. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen. So, this last week, um, we looked at, last week, we looked at chapter 8, and in verse 22 of chapter 8, It says this, and they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust into thick darkness. This is a picture of what the Assyrian invasion is going to look like, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish. This year, the high school, Murray High School, we've experienced this in part. It's been a very difficult year for us. Watch the news this past week, as we mentioned in prayer. There's, you've seen the latest addition to that gloom. Without the details, a, a destroyed family, many victims. We lost another teacher earlier this year under similar circumstances. We lost a beloved teacher to death. Seven students, at least seven students, have lost one parent this year. Everything is added together to be this gloom of anguish. We all very much feel like we've been thrust into this thick darkness that you can feel. The staff on Friday asked me to pray over them, and I was really at a loss for words. I didn't even know what to say other than, Lord, help us. I can't imagine the feeling, then, of those who were left behind in the northern kingdom after Assyria swept through. Their army, the northern kingdom's army, was completely decimated. Their cities, their farms were all burned to the ground. Their leaders were all taken away. And so you wonder, how do you cope after something like this happens? All the structure and support that you've learned to rely on is now gone. Everything that you have just assumed would always be there is now forever gone. Something as simple as just eating and drinking were now going to be a struggle, much less raising a family and worship and all of these other things that are associated with that in those days. Gloom is the right word. This dense dreariness that settles in and affects everything and everyone. You feel like it's inescapable almost. Well, the first words in our text today are, but there will be no gloom 
for her who was in anguish. There is hope in our passage today. And it wasn't just hope for the people of God in that day. It's it's hope for the people of God today. There is hope. Our text today includes one of the great prophecies concerning our Lord Jesus. And though there are situations that you can't imagine being returned to good with Jesus, this is exactly what happens. Things are returned to good. And so as we look through the text, we're going to look at what it meant for them then and what it means for us today. As we live in a world that at many times is very gloomy. Consider three ideas from this text, the elimination of oppression, the elimination of conflict, and then the coming king. And so with that, let's look together at the text, Isaiah chapter 9, starting at verse 1. Please stand with me as we read from God's word. Isaiah chapter 9, starting at verse 1. But there will be no gloom. For her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness, on them a light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they did divide the, or when the, when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden, and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, have been broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult, and every garment rolled in blood, will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of the peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this Amen this is God's word you may be seated so please turn with me in order to just get a little bit of background on this text please turn with me to 2nd Samuel chapter 7 2nd Samuel chapter 7 as we look at the prophecy concerning the kingdom of David. 2 Samuel chapter 7, starting at verse 8. David is king. He's just built his temple. And here are some prayers of prophecy concerning his line. David is this, you know, Saul was the first king of Israel, but David was this great king in, in his kingdom. Starting at verse 8. Now, therefore, thus you shall say to my servant David, Thus says the Lord of hosts, I took you from the pasture, from following the sheep, that you should be prince over my people Israel. And I have been with you wherever you went and have cut off 
all your enemies from before you. And I will make for you a great name, like the name of the great ones of the earth. And I will appoint a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they may dwell in their own place and be disturbed no more. And violent men shall afflict them no more as formerly. From that time, from the time that I appointed judges over my people Israel, and I will, and I will give you rest from all your enemies. Moreover, the Lord declares to you that the Lord will make you a house. When your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you, who shall come from your body, and I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. And I will be a father, and I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men, with the stripes of the sons of men. But my steadfast love will not depart from him, as I took it from Saul when I put away, when I put away from before you. And your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. In accordance with all these words and in accordance with all the vision, Nathan spoke to David. And so, what was being said here? David, from him, there's going to be a line of kings in Israel. And that line of kings is going to last forever. There will always be a king on David's throne. Well, as we are studying through the book of Isaiah, we are seeing these kings fall. And we are seeing these kingdoms fall. And so how do we deal with this? Well, verse 14, I think, gives us a clue. I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. When he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and the stripes of the son of men. Consider the earthly kings that come after David. Well, the first thing they did was they split the kingdom into two kingdoms. The northern kingdom never had a good king, not one. The southern kingdom, Judah, sometimes had good kings, but even that goodness needed to be qualified, even like David's own goodness. The kings and the chronicles detail all the kings of Israel and Judah and the details of the fall of both of those kingdoms. It becomes a story of very predictable behavior on their part. Just when you think things are going to turn around, someone messes it up again. Even the best of them, David, was full of his own problems. I think that's the important thing in the text here for us today. We have to see in it that there is a coming leader for the people of Israel who will not need that discipline. And therefore, should not have experienced the rod or been dealt the stripes. We deserve the rod and the stripes. But he, King Jesus, who will be on the throne of David forevermore, received both for a destitute people such as ourselves. As always, let us never lose sight of him as we focus on this passage today. That brings me to the first point, the elimination of oppression. Verse 1, Isaiah chapter 9. But there will be no gloom for her who is in anguish. The former time he brought us, he brought contempt, or into contempt, the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, 
Galilee of the nations. He brought contempt into the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. These are areas that were located in the northern kingdom. They are commonly referred to as Galilee. Galilee is a, a New Testament word. We see it some in the Old Testament as well. This, this area that is in the northern kingdom where Jesus came from. They would have been the first areas invaded by the Assyrians. So they would have received the brunt of that force as the Assyrians marched through their land. It's in that area in Galilee that Solomon, when he was king, gifted a lot of the cities of Galilee to the king of Tyre, who had helped build, had helped Solomon build his temples and his houses of gold, had donated some, I don't know, 70 or 120 talents of gold, which is just a whole lot of money. Um, and so Solomon said, here are some cities in Galilee. And so with that, many non-Jewish people began to settle in that area in Galilee. This is why Isaiah refers to it as Galilee of the nations. Or another word for nations would be Gentiles. In general, the average Jew did not look favorably upon the area called Galilee or the cities therein. If you remember from John chapter 1, when Philip said, Hey, come and see this man from Nazareth. What did Nathaniel say? Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Can anything good 